Yeah, and if you've been coming out to Alive for the past couple of weeks, you might have noticed you might be starting the night off in a different way. And so tonight we're going to have a, one of our coaches come up and share their testimony. And what a testimony is, is just a brief summary about how God is still speaking and moving today. So, you know, this is just a great opportunity to start the night by opening our hearts and just empowering us with faith. So at this time, I'd like to just please welcome up our great coach, Lauren Acton. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I only want to speak what you're speaking. Yeah. Okay, so Austin got my name wrong. My name is actually Lo. Um, that's what everybody calls me. So um, please don't call me Lauren. That'd be weird. Um, so I want to tell you a little bit about myself. And the biggest thing that I can tell you is that I'm a child of God who's totally been redeemed. Um, and so let me tell you a little bit about how I grew up, and you'll see how I got there. So I grew up in a church that was a testimony church. Did anybody else grow up in like a church like that where it seems like every week somebody was telling their testimony? So I grew up in one of those types of churches and every week it would go a little bit like this. So somebody would stand up for about five minutes and they would say, you know, something along the lines of, man, I was an alcoholic for 40 years, gave my life to Jesus, never touched a bottle again. I had a gambling addiction gave my life to Jesus, became a steward of money, right? And so I was hearing stories like this, and I, and I didn't necessarily hear the journey that they had been on to get there. And so I got to college, and I lived that typical freshman in college life, if you're picking up what I'm laying down. I partied very hard. Um, <laughs> and um, and I, I was really empty in college. I was really, really empty and so I would go to all of these house parties and all these bars, and I'd be like, okay, this is going to be the thing that fills me this week. And I would leave feeling emptier than I did when I walked in. And so one night, I um, was talking to these two guy friends of mine that I nicknamed the doormats. Their names were Matt and Matt. And they would knock on my door every single week and invite me to join them for campus worship. Yeah, it's a great nickname. Feel free to laugh. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went with them to worship, and I sat in the back, and I said, okay, God, there's more to life than this, and I want it. And so I gave my life to Jesus. And in that moment, I made the mistake of thinking that everything would instantly change because that was kind of what I had heard in the church mistakenly. And so I thought, okay, gave my life to Jesus, never going to party again, all those sins that I didn't want to do anymore, they're just going to be gone. Spoiler alert, I took the scenic route to getting to that place. Um, and so, so what happened was, is I was sitting there and I, and I slowly started to realize that I was more seeking to be saved than I was seeking a savior, right? And there's a difference between the two. When you focus on Jesus, the saving comes. When you focus on getting saved, the self-expectation comes. And it's hard, right? And I, was, and I was just trapped in this place of wanting to be free from guilt instead of seeking freedom. And again, there's a difference between the two. And so I cried out to God and I said, God, what's my deal? <laughs> what's going on? Why am I still, you know, I'm going to church on Sundays and I'm going up to every altar call possible. And I'm like, okay, this is the one that's gonna stick. And then I would go out the following night and I would party and I'd party all through the week and be like, man, I'm so low. And then I would go back to the altar call on Sunday and hope that it would all start over again. I'm like what's going on? And Holy Spirit really hit me and was like, you know what? 
I need you to start dedicating your eyes to me. I was like, what does that even mean? And I really felt like God was saying that you're always looking for an escape route. Like if I don't come through, you'd still be okay. You're always seeking a backup plan. And so instead of focusing your eyes on me, you're looking at all of the exits and saying, okay, well, if, if God's provision over my life doesn't stick this time, I'll still be good because I'm pulling strength from within myself. Spoiler alert, that doesn't work. And so God said, you know what? Focus your eyes on me, right? Because the more that you narrow in your focus, the less of the world is in your peripheral vision. The more that you're hyper-focused on me, the less you're gonna see of that. And so I dedicated my eyes to God. And I said, you know what? I want you to have the steering wheel and I don't want an exit plan. I wanna be in trouble if you don't come through for me. And so I gave him my all, my true wholehearted all, and I started seeking the Savior. And in that, I realized that the overnight change happened in a way that I didn't necessarily expect because it wasn't overnight. It was an everyday choice. And then one day I woke up and it was different. It wasn't an overnight decision to get aligned. It was an everyday choice to step into freedom. And in that, all of a sudden I woke up one day and it was like it had changed overnight. And I said, man, I haven't done this forever. I haven't even thought about doing it forever. I haven't stepped foot in a bar and it's not like I woke up and I was like, today I'm gonna muster up all of my strength and not step in there. Instead it was today I'm gonna muster up all my strength and live as a new creation. I'm not gonna focus on tearing down my old self because that's God's role. I'm gonna focus on living as my new self because that's what a child of God is. Yeah, so I wanna pray us in. <laughs> Kundai is gonna talk more about that tonight and I've caught little glimpses of it and it's um, just totally soaked in the presence of God. So I'm really excited for that. But I'd love to just pray us in. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, thank you so much for just flooding this room right now into just, just catapulting us into a place of grace. And God, I pray that tonight, all of us, every single person in this room would just be stirred up to start seeking the Savior and to understand what freedom looks like when you give Jesus control. And so God, I just pray that the words that are spoken and every beat of the drum and every note that's played and every song that we sing would just be a cry of our heart to know you more. It would just be a declaration that there's more to life than what the world's trying to teach us. God, just show up and show off. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Yeah, just invite you to stand as we worship. Your word. 
we're just supposed to sing this bridge again over this campus, over every classroom, over this city. Come on, let's build it up. Let's sing. but it says this if you focus on your hurt you will continue to suffer in pain but if you focus on the lesson you will continue to grow and I just felt like the father had a word for some of us that some of us are in pain right now and we're hurting but are we going to stay there and focus on our hurt and our pain are we going to focus on the one who wants to take us out of our pain you know, there's another quote that says, focus on your giants and you'll stumble. 
But focus on how big your God is and your giants will tumble. So Father, we just say that we're here tonight. We could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, God, but we came for a living divine encounter. We came to remember who you are and to remember who we are in you, Father. So I pray that you would lift up our eyes, lift up our hearts, remind us that you're great, that you're good, and that you're an amazing, amazing dad that never gives up on us, that always pursues us, and always brings us back to him. I thank you, God, that you want to do something new tonight than you ever have done before. So I say, come and have your way, Jesus. give it up for the worship band guys you may have a seat let's go I just want to give a shout out we got Kyle Howard and Daniel Goulet in the house a special guest super excited to have them uh, if you haven't heard we got an amazing speaker tonight it's not me sorry I wouldn't refer to myself as that way but um <laughs> uh, Kundai is going to come up and give the word but uh and this is his third time preaching before you know it he's gonna be taking my job but, uh, but before we go into the message, I just wanted to uh, give my bro, D. Goo, a shout out. You guys know Daniel Goulet? Give it up for Daniel Goulet. He's been a part of Alive for a long time, and this is actually his first time leading at Alive this year, or this school year, which is crazy to think about. But he started a conference, um, how many years ago? Seven. Seven years ago, God speaks this thing of faith on him, right? And he's like, man, no one's going to come. The church isn't going to do this. But he listened. He walked by faith, not by sight. And after a lot of praying, after a lot of fighting, after a lot of inspiring people to believe in this vision, God has created this amazing conference, More Love, More Power. We see more than 1,000 people come. Last year was amazing. And it's going to be happening in a couple weeks. And since D. Goo is here kind of just leading us in worship, I thought it would be great for you to hear his heart on why this conference is so powerful and why it matters to him that college students come. He, he was a college pastor back in the day, so he loves the college ministry, and he loves Alive, and it's just super important for you guys to be involved. So let's give it up one, time, one more time for D. Goo. What's up, guys? Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, The whole heart behind it, if you ever looked at Jesus' life, he, he uh, often took time away from a bunch of people. He'd go off by himself. You know, that's kind of where we get the idea for retreats. But he also would go away from the crowds and grab and bring his disciples with him. And, you know, that's kind of the heartbeat behind our conferences. Like, when you actually uh, set aside time, to really seek Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you four days to just speak to me and to, to, to turn and to guide me, to, to show what am I called for, what am I made for, what, where, where are you in my life, what, what, makes, what makes me burn with passion, those type of things. Because, you know, God made you. He knows exactly what uh, he made you for. He knows exactly. And sometimes, uh, you know, just to be honest, life gets really busy. You're, you're in, you know, you all are in school. You're studying, you're doing all these things, you're, you're having fun with your friends, but taking time to, like, hear from God, to encounter him, to, to start to get acquainted with his presence. When, he, when, you, when we do that, when we set aside that time, he just takes it seriously. 
He, he wants to, to meet with you. He wants to connect with you. And so what we love about these conferences is, you know, they're not everything, but they are an amazing boost. They are an amazing, uh, our, our senior pastor, I, I don't know why this always sticks in my head. He kind of, he's kind of like, it's kind of like a power bar, you know, a high protein snack, you know, but it's always stuck in my head. He just, just always says it, but it's true. Like, you're going to grow closer to Jesus if you, you take every day, just like in Lauren's testimony, every day and make a choice. But these kind of events are an amazing, like, people get uh, healed, they get called out, they, they figure out, oh, I'm supposed to be a missionary, or oh, I'm supposed to go impact the business world. And they start to get a deposit from God, because God's like, hey, you're setting aside the time. So I just want to encourage you, you know, we're kind of dialoguing through about maybe opening up Wednesday night for all of you guys to come for free. That is not for sure yet. Um, but, you know, the other thing is uh, I want young adults, college students to come because, you know, these are the moments where uh, many of you are going to get your calling. You know, and sometimes it could happen on a weekend. It could happen, it could happen even at a live night. I mean, it, there's no magic in a conference, but, again, just from experience, many people get uh, just their, their whole world rocked and turned around, and they become more on fire, like, like a burning fire, like they are meant to be at these places. And so we want to make it really accessible. We made it 50% off for all college students. So hopefully that's enough incentive. But I, I just want to say uh, that each of these, each of its times that we've had these conferences, they're you know, the, I, I just remember this one specific story. Now, this is not a story of a college student, but, you know, it's kind of maybe more of one like your mom. You know, maybe what would happen with, with your mom. But there's this one woman named Veronica, and uh, she was in, like, Home Depot after one of the conferences. And she went up and she said, you know, God just wanted me to share a word with you and and she shared, and the person's, like, weeping and crying. She got to pray over them. And she was like, this is not me. This was, this was I, I would never do something like this. But I was so filled with the love of God, I just couldn't help but share. And that's the kind of things that happen. That, that's why we're here on earth, guys. We're here to share the love, to show the love, uh, to, to, to release heaven onto earth. So that's what it's all about. It's going to be a great encounter. I hope you all can make it. If you have any questions, you can obviously ask Ryan or me, because I'll be here tonight, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, and too, Naomi also works for Daniel, More Love, More Power, so you can talk to her. And you can also sign up in the newsletter, so if you get that, uh, just use that promo code, and uh, we trust that you won't give it away to too many people. But uh, even if you have class and you can't come the whole time, it's worth it. Take a risk. I promise you, God will show up. So we're going to show this promo video real quick, and then Kundai is going to come and take the stage. Since the turn of the century, the landscape of our world has been changed dramatically. People face overwhelming challenges, tragedy, tensions in life, and yet look less to the church for answers. But what would it look like for the people of God to be the change agents, to be people 
of the presence, to be revival in our world, to release culture rather than react to it, to release more love, more power to a chaotic and hurting world. That conference is going to be fun, guys. I strongly encourage you, if you haven't signed up, do it before you leave tonight. And speaking of tonight, you guys get the pleasure of listening to this amazing African man right here. Uh, so for those of you that have not had the pleasure of meeting this handsome hunk here, um, I'm going to brag about myself because you guys have to bear with it. Okay, so uh, my name is Kundai. My close friends are going to call me Kundizi or Little K. That's my rapper name. Uh, Mr. Mugabe, that's my official last name. I'm kind of hesitant to share it sometimes because you might know of another Mr. Mugabe that's not too well liked, so I try to keep that on the DL. Um, and yeah, I've been a part of Alive for, since the beginning actually. So in the beginning was Kundai with Alive, and Alive was with the Lord, and Kundai was dearly loved by the Lord. And, uh, now, and Ryan, I've had the pleasure of knowing Ryan since he started this ministry, and first of all, I served him for the first two years, my junior year and senior year. I actually was a student once upon a time in a long, distant land, far, far away, that's a few feet away from this room. Um, I was a student at the U of I as well. I studied civil engineering, and I graduated in May of 2017, so just last year, and since then, I've actually been working as a civil engineer. That's what I studied. Shout out to any civil engineers in the house. You see, I'm, there we go, Eric Lee. Holla at me. Come on, can't just be Eric and I. While we be slacking. Eric, we need to talk to like Professor Lou and like tell him, like, bro, more believers in the house, man. Um, okay, but yeah, so graduated and I'm now working for a local firm. And since then, I've been serving as a coach in this awesome ministry. And if you guys have been following along with us, we've been going on this message series titled The Reason Why We Believe. And we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And Ryan launched off this message series two week, three weeks ago, and the first two weeks he was looking at the promises of God and how God fulfills his promises, often in his timing, which doesn't always line up with ours. I wish it lined up more often than it did, but often not, it doesn't. But as Ryan showed, and he exemplifies tonight with a lovely lady by his side, that when his promises do come true, it's worth the wait. And we're looking forward to August 11th. Hubba hubba. <laughs> And if you guys are with us last week, we had Encounter Night where Ryan was teaching on Luke 3 and 4. And if you guys weren't there, like, I strongly encourage you to check out that podcast, man. Ryan brought the fire of God on that message. And he was talking about going through wildernesses and how do we go through wildernesses? How do we go through difficulties and challenges in faith and in truth and come out actually in power? And I believe that I get the privilege of continuing that, hopefully. We're looking at Luke 5 and 6, where I think we see the after effects of what a trial or what a temptation can lead to. And with that, it's, it's strongly tied in with my own personal testimony and story of this past five weeks or so that has been really, really challenging. I've gone through things that I haven't gone through before, and um, I think it led me to this, what we call revelation, where like, you see something from your heart and you start to live out. And that's the title of my message tonight which is the Lordship of Jesus. 
And I have three main points that I want to make as I go through this message as I'm looking at Luke 5 and 6. And so for those of you that appreciate knowing, like, what was he saying? What was, what was his point? What, what can I take away? Hannah, shout out to my girl Hannah, who, who we, we get along like that. And so, yeah, each point is going to start with Jesus is. And so that will be the clue for you. They're like, okay, this is one of the points. I'm going to start jotting this down. And so, um, actually, two disclaimers. I have two disclaimers before I get into my message. So as I kind of shared a little bit that this is going to be a bit more topical than expository. So uh, for the theologians in the house, my bad. Uh, you're just going to have to bear and just, I want to encourage you, actually, that's an opportunity that you can, commu- I invite you, actually, all of you who are believers in the house to be communing with the Lord, which you just be talking to him, asking, like, God, what's for me, and what are you speaking shame to me? Because there may be some cool things that I may say and some insightful things that I may say, but the things that are of the Lord, what separates Christianity from every other religion out there is that the things that God is saying come with life and with grace, with an impartation and an ability to be transformed and to become what you've heard. And so I want you guys to invite you guys to be listening for that and be asking the Lord, where is the grace in this message for me? And the second uh, disclaimer I have is that as the more I've gone through this message, I've realized this is elements of heaviness in it. And um, I want to encourage you guys that as heavy as it may be at some points, that heaviness is not the way of the kingdom. Joy is. But Jesus did say that his burden is easy and it's light. So there is a burden to carry, but he carries it with us. So be asking the Lord, like, hey, Father, there may be some heavy things, there may be some tough things, but you carry things with me. So with no further ado, let's dive into Luke 5. As I say a quick prayer to Lord Jesus. Mm. Yeah, this thought just popped in my mind that Ryan introduced us to Theo, as we like to call Theophilus. And I'm no Greek scholar, but I love this idea that Greek scholars believe that Theophilus wasn't actually a person but it was a group of people. And by that group of people, it was the lovers of God. And so if you identify yourself as a lover of God, as a friend of God, this book, the Gospel of Luke, was actually written to you. It's a message from your loving Father to you. And so, Lord, I thank you, Father. That's that's where we want to live. We want to live a life where we're hearing what you're saying and we're doing what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that you strengthen me (laughs) to partner with you, Lord, and to go where you're going tonight. I have plans and I have three points, but you might have something different. And Father, I thank you for every single person that's hearing the sound of my voice, Lord, that you know them by name. That the day that they were born was not a mistake, was not happenstance, but it was a decision that you, Lord, Jesus and the Spirit were so excited as you see jumping up and down like, oh my gosh, today's the day Micah comes into the world. Oh, I'm so excited because the world's going to be so blessed by his worship. They're going to see him going on their face. It's going to be so much fun. And people are going to enter into my presence. And I thank you. You're so excited about the day that Janet was going to come into the world, Lord. This doctor is going to be passionate and so excited about studying the way you created human beings or the way you created microorganisms, and she's going to be worshiping in that place. And so, Father, I pray that all these things, the fruitfulness of life I've been finding and the joy of life in any place is found in submitting to your lordship. 
So may that be revealed in glorious ways tonight. In Jesus' name. say amen when you're done with prayer. No, no. Okay, um, so to set the stage a little bit, so we've been going through the book of Luke, like I said, and so we started off with Jesus, he's born, and his cousin Luke, his cousin Luke is not Luke, his cousin John, and so John is, he grows up into the man who is known as John the Baptist, so he's preparing the way for Jesus, Jesus steps in on the scene, he's now 30 years old, and he approaches John the Baptist, who's baptizing people with water, and Jesus gets baptized by John. And he's now, um, he now gets sent off. He gets filled by the Spirit. I, I love this, actually, this picture. So the heavens part, and the voice from the heavens comes forth and says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And I love that. Before Jesus did any single ministry thing, the first thing was the Father spoke identity, and the Father spoke who he was. And so with that, with that truth of who the Father was, then Jesus goes to preach a sermon. No, he did not. He went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. And then he comes out of the wilderness, and he's full of spirit and power. And masses and crowds are now following this man. And I believe, you know, he, first he was a carpenter, but now the people are seeing a different man. They're no longer seeing the man that was making their table or making their chair one day. They're now beginning to see something different resting on Jesus. He was still the same man, but was filled and living in a different way. And so we're going to pick up the story for where Jesus, he's now, he's been walking, he's been walking around, and this crowd has been following him, he's teaching, he's sharing truth, and we have the scroll drop, you know, he reveals, or he makes people question, actually, if, wow, maybe, maybe this is the Messiah, maybe this is the one that we've been waiting for. And so I imagine people are probably following him, and they're listening, and like, man, this, what he's saying is so good, and it's so, like, feeding my soul, but I don't know, like, I know his cousin, I know his brother, I don't know if this is going to be really it. But there's something about what he's saying that's just so drawing me in. And so crowds are drawing and drawing towards the Lord. And then he now gets to this place called the Lake of Decenerate. And uh, he sees Peter on the boat. Peter's doing his thing. He's a fisherman. And Jesus says, yo, Peter, can I use your boat for a little bit? Because there's this crowd over here. And I guess the crowd was now like so big that Jesus couldn't see them or maybe they couldn't see him. So he decides to get in this boat with Peter. And so he asks Peter, hey, can you move your boat out a little bit? And so Peter moves up the boat a little bit, and Jesus turns around, and he starts preaching to the crowds. And I'm going to pick up now, reading from Luke 5, verse 4. So if any of you have your scriptures, these scriptures actually should be up on the slides. There we go. Good job, Mr. Owen. And so picking up from verse 4, Jesus is in, it's Vanna. My bad. Thanks, Vanna. Appreciate you, girl. <laughs> Owen, you can, I'll, I'll give you a thank you sometime later. We'll make up for that. So picking up from verse 4, so Jesus is in the boat, and he's teaching, and it says in verse 4 that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon being Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We got nada, Jesus. Like, I was out doing my thing. I'm a fisherman. You know that. You know me, and you see me out here all night, and I got nothing, Lord. And now you're telling me to put my, my fish out, my net out? And it's fascinating to me that Peter does something that I think a lot of us, or the church, we often find ourselves doing, is that we're comfortable and we're fine with having Jesus in our boats. We're comfortable with having him in our lives, that he can go and we can, yeah, we'll commit. We'll go to Sunday services. 
Yeah, we'll go to Sunday service at the vineyard, and we'll worship at 11 a.m. service. And then maybe, you know, we'll go another mile. We'll go and we'll preach. Well, not preach, but hopefully you guys are preaching, because come on, we'll quote that. But we'll go on a Wednesday night, and we'll go and we'll listen to a live, and we'll listen to Rice speaking at a live. And then, um, but now, when Jesus now turns and he looks at us and he says, okay, now, I'm done doing what you think I do. Now I'm calling you to let me do what you think you're good at. Peter starts complaining. And the first point is this, I think it leads us to, is that Jesus is the master of our masteries. And I think when Peter gets confronted with this reality, that he's not just the master of the scriptures, he doesn't just know the scriptures, he doesn't just leave me to turn a life, but he actually knows how to master all the things that I know. He has this response. And so pick up now in verse 5, because I love Peter, after he complains, he catches himself, and he says this, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And I love that, that he's complained, but he catches himself, and he realizes something, that it's at his word, that's the life he wants to live. And I want to turn the question to you now. How about your masteries? Maybe for you, so there are not many civil engineers in the house, but maybe for you, you're studying uh, bio. You're studying MCB like Janet is. Are we willing to listen to the Lord and not just say, I'm going to go and spend some time in the Word, and I'm going to go and read. But maybe the Lord is asking you, hey, that exam that you have, that's in a week's time, and I know you have this party that you're thinking about and this thing that you're thinking about, but I think now is actually a good time to go study. Let's go put an hour or two to study. Are we willing to let him master our masteries too? And I think that in that place, Peter finds something amazing as we pick up now in verse 8. Because in verse 8 it says, when, so actually what happens afterwards is that Peter listens to the Lord, right? He says, at your word, I'll do it. And he does, and then he's now putting his net on the other side, and all this fish starts coming out, and he's calling his homies. He's calling uh, James and John. He's like, guys, like, I need help. This net is breaking. I didn't get anything last night, but now I'm getting all this fish. And so they're helping him put up this net that's breaking with all this fish inside. And um, I think Peter now realizes that this man isn't just a teacher. He's a master of all masteries. And Peter finds himself, he's, he says, it says, he bows down at the feet of the Lord. And he says, oh, Lord, I am messing up my microphone, Lord. Um, he says, <laughs> he knees and he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And I love this because I think Jesus' lordship is different from the lordship of the world. I think sometimes we hear that word and we're thinking, okay, he just wants to control and he wants to manipulate or maybe he wants to dictate what happens in my life. And I think what Peter finds is that Jesus' lordship doesn't, doesn't dictate, it actually empowers. That when we yield our masteries to the Lord of all masteries, not to, he doesn't take away or doesn't limit our masteries. Now, Michael, he actually allows you to be able to be the best financial analyst you could ever be. That people will be confounded with how you're able to understand the investor world. How you're able to understand how to manipulate numbers and how to make the best price and buy the best stocks and do those cool stuff that numbers can do. Um, that the Lord actually takes our skills and our masteries and he makes them a hundred times better. So point number one, that he's the, he's the master of our masteries. Moving on. 
I am uh, now going to do what I call seminary suicide because I am going to narrate about 35 verses. Oh, help me, Jesus. So, uh, real quick, Jesus moves on from this place where he's called Peter, and he, you know, he now goes and he cleanses a leper. He's just healing left and right. He goes and he heals this paralytic, a man who's paralyzed from the waist down, maybe even more. I'm not sure about that. And then he goes and he calls uh, Levi, who we later know as Matthew, and he was once a tax collector, and he gets to meet Jesus. And people are just meeting the Lord, and they're getting changed, whether that's physical healing, whether that's the identity or calling. Like, they're meeting this man, Jesus, and their life is getting changed radically as they submit to him. And so Jesus is doing his thing. He's revealing and releasing life. And we now land in chapter 6, where Jesus is now confronted by the Sadducees and Pharisees. And these are the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And for some reason, as you read the Gospels, you see that they have a likening to try and pick a fight with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I've begun to learn. I still kind of try and argue with them, but I've begun to learn that I never win that when I try and disagree with what Jesus has to say. Uh, but the Pharisees, they haven't learned that lesson yet, sadly. And so in chapter 6, they're now kind of going at Jesus with this idea of like, yeah, man, he's doing things that we can't do, and we're going to try and trap him or trick him. And this, mainly with this idea of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath in, back in those days was a day of rest where the Jews, uh, we don't really celebrate it much nowadays, but basically the Jews spent 24 hours where they did no work. And I think it was something that was there, which is part of the law, part of the original um, testament given by Moses, but they had lost the heart. They had lost the meaning of it. And now the Pharisees are just doing it for the sake of doing it. And I think Jesus, knowing that that wasn't the life that the Lord had for them, that the Father has for us to just do things for the sake of doing things. I think the Sabbath can be relatable for us to, can be even things like going to church where you know, this is the right thing for me to do, or this is the thing that my mom wants me to do, so I'm going to go and do it. Maybe even spending some time in the Word with like, this is the thing that my mom wants me to do, or my friends, or Ryan's asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. And like, those, the things that we do, um, whether it be prayer or going to church, is actually supposed to lead us to the Lord. That, that's not the end goal. Like, going to church is not the end goal. Meeting Jesus is. Reading the Bible isn't the end goal. Meeting Jesus is. Praying and saying maybe your complaints or maybe your hopes and dreams and just saying them out loud, that's not the goal. Jesus is. Hearing from him, hearing him hearing you. That's the goal of all the things in the law. And so now we're going to pick up from uh, chapter 6, verse 6, which leads us into our second point, that Jesus is the commander of the commandments. And in verse 6 it reads, on another Sabbath day, because they had tried earlier to trick him up on a different Sabbath day and it didn't go so well, he, being Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. Like this, I guess. I don't know why I did this. This just felt like, what a withered hand would look like or feel like. Blah. <laughs> and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he, I love that Jesus, he knows what we're thinking, but he always wants to hear what we're thinking, but sometimes I think when you're not thinking something helpful, you're just going to get out of you anyway. Um, he, Jesus, knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Bleh. 
come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, he's speaking now to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy life? And after looking around at them all, I love this. The Lord is really just taking his time, making it soak in. Then he gets the man up. He's coming up in front of all the Pharisees and the leaders. And he gives that little good nugget. And he's like, yeah, I want you guys to watch this. Like, I think he's really, Jesus is so good at confronting the things that are con- stopping us from intimacy with him. And he's pretty violent about that. The things that are stopping us from getting to the Father. The Lord will knock those walls down. There's a good song like that. He might sing it tonight. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Um, again so afterwards so jesus looking around at them all at at them all the pharisees he said to the he said to the man with the withered hand stretch out your hand and he did so and his hand was restored i love that that jesus comes in the face i am flying he comes in the face of of, this, of the commandment that was being held above the commander. And he's coming to crash that thing down. And sadly, I think sometimes that happens in our lives. Have you, ever, have you ever made a stand for truth? A stand for something that you believed or that you knew was good or was right? And maybe you're made fun of about it. Maybe you're teased or you're mocked about it. Maybe you're questioned if what you're standing for is even a good thing to stand for anyway. For you, that maybe that could be in your RSO or your fraternity. Maybe you're not 21 yet and you've decided that I'm going to follow the laws of the land and I'm not going to drink. And your people in your RSO, your fraternity are like, come on, man. Like, everyone's doing it. Like, what, what's, one, what's one beer going to do? What's one glass of wine going to do? Like, that's not even going to get you drunk. They're trying to reason with you out of it. And you're like, no, no, no. This is my conviction, guys. I'm going to make a stand here. And then you, with, out of the goodness of your heart, you're now being challenged. You're now being questioned. You're now being put down. Has something like that ever happened to you? Where you made a stand for truth? You made a stand for your commander above the commandments or the ways of this world? And you've been questioned about it? I know that has for me. Like I mentioned earlier, I recently started working a full-time job, and I'm about nine months in, and it was in about three months in that uh, one day I'm working away, and I'm I'm doing transportation work, and the, the actual the HR director comes into my office. No, no scheduled appointment, no scheduled meeting, and she sits down, and turns out that someone had reported me for presidalizing, which is, if you're not familiar with that word, it's a fancy term for uh, evangelizing. And I remember, I wish my response would have been, oh, Jesus, that's awesome. Like, people are knowing that I'm a Christian, and I'm spreading the word, and I'm getting persecuted about it, but that's okay, because you got persecuted. But my response was, oh, snap. I'm going to get fired, and I'm going to need to tell my dad that I got fired. And uh, that's never fun telling my dad bad news. Oh, snap. And I remember I was panicking. Um, But thankfully, I, I got a warning. But uh, that was scary. And I actually remember in this conversation with her, I, I asked her as I kind of recovered from the fear of like, I'm glad people know that I'm a Christian, but 
I believe Jesus never forced things on people. So if it sounds or it's come across as if I'm forcing my beliefs and my values on people, please, I would love to hear feedback on how I can change that. And we dialogued about that for a little bit, and she didn't really come up with anything specific. But I was so scared, and I was challenged in that moment. And it was so tempting. I remember actually for the following probably more like a month, I was like very cautious of when people ask me about what did I do over the weekend, I'll be like, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is church, and I heard this message, but I don't want to say that. So I'm like trying to think of like how can I not talk about Jesus? I'm like, what a bad way to think. How can I not talk about him? But that was all because of the fear that I faced of then wanting to conform to following the commandments rather than following my commander. Have you ever been confronted with that? I'm telling you that sometimes it goes really well, and sometimes you make a stand, and it's just awesome. People back you up, people cheering you on, and they're supporting you. And sometimes, maybe you get a warning. But I think that like what Jesus found, you see in verse 11, that the Pharisees were furious with him, and they were upset with him about this, about the stand that he made to heal the man with the withered hand. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees didn't know what he knew. That, you see, for, for us as believers, the goal is not popularity. The goal is not prosperity. The goal is not to be well-known. It's so fascinating. In this next verse, which I'm not going to go into much detail, but that Jesus goes after this incident into a quiet place. And Daniel talked about this as he promoted Nola Mopal to a quiet place to be with his father. And he's thinking about it. He's picking up momentum and people are following him. People are listening to him. People are like, man, this guy is awesome. He's sticking it to the man. He's sticking it to the Pharisees. And he's like, peace, I'm going to be with my father. Because that's the goal of a believer. That we are called to follow. We're called to follow the father. And I think Jesus showed that as our commander, that the word, church, prayer, fellowship, this, align. This is not the end goal. The end goal is to know him and the one who sent him. So I encourage you guys, let Jesus be the commander of your commanders and watch the fellowship and watch the intimacy develop with the Lord, with the Father as you submit to his lordship and him leading you in the sacraments, your quiet time, even in your studies. Let him lead you there in your classrooms too. Impart the boldness to answer questions. I know when I was in class, it was fascinating. I'm like, why don't people like answering questions? People not know things? And it turns out people did know things. I'm like, well, you're not talking. I don't get you. Um, it gives you the boldness to actually answer questions. And I want to do some seminary suicide once more time. And so... Um, Jesus then called the 12 apostles, so he's getting a squad up now. He's got Matthew, Peter, James, John. He's got his buddy Bartholomew, who I love that name, and I so wish we heard more about him, but we don't hear much about him. And then he goes on to do what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And, oh, man, my time is running out, and Mariah's been helping out with my time here, but I so wanted to get into the Sermon on the Mount because there's so many things in this that are just transforming. And I want to encourage you guys that I can't get into tonight, but I hope and believe that Mark and Whitney, who lead a Bible study on Thursday nights, tomorrow night, that they'll get into this. Because there are truths here about not just the works of God, but the nature of God that I think are revealed in here. So if you guys are free tomorrow night, 
strongly encourage you, check out their Bible study. I don't think you'll regret it. Like that plug there, right? And so, coming up to my last and final point, and hopefully, bless me, Jesus, I have time to get through it all. Um, it's this. So we now come up after the Sermon on the Mount, and the concluding section of the Sermon on the Mount is titled in my book as uh, Build Your House on the Rock. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to share the point and get into an interesting but life-changing story from it. So in Luke 6, verse 46, if you want to follow along, I think, Simone's Vanna's doing an awesome job. Thanks, Vanna. Okay. So Luke 6, verse 46, Jesus starts off and he says, this is so good. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid his foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and streams broke against that house and could not shake it, unlike my paper that can start shaking, but I could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who builds his house on a withered hand. No, not on a withered hand, but who builds his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. <laughs> I might coin that to see me walking around, but yeah, withered hand, man. Just okay. <laughs> Lord, help me. Stay focused. Stay focused. So, my last point is this. That Jesus is the firm foundation and the author of life. You see, guys, I wish I could say that life is always easy. And I wish I could tell you that in Jesus, that once you united with him and once you have a relationship with him, troubles Either they don't come, or if they come, they're just like, I'm just going to keep that with her because that's not going to bother me. But Jesus promised us, and he said in this, in this passage right here, that those storms are going to beat against the house. But it's going to stand that he's the foundation. And storms are coming. Jesus says that sin in 1 John, John says that we might sin. He says if we sin, we have a great high feast. We have appropriation. Something can stand in between and stand for us. So that's an if. But storms are a when. Storms are a matter of time. And I've just gone through, and I'm actually still in the midst of it, of one of the biggest storms that I've ever had. Uh, the beginning of the year has had quite a number of challenges. And some of you might not be aware, but uh, two weeks ago, I did not come to a live. And that was because that was my birthday week. And some of you are probably wondering, like, that would be the week I would want to go to a live. 
uh, not the case for me because my birthday since 2015 comes with painful memories. And in particular is that in March, sorry, in May of 2015, I lost one of my cousins. And um, yeah, till this day, I still, I don't. doesn't make sense. We grew up so well together, but we didn't really know each other because I wasn't saved and he wasn't saved, so most of our fun revolved around PlayStation and fun stuff, but not really things of substance. And then he went to Florida to study, and I went to, um, I came here, and I got filled with the spirit, and I was just a different person. Like, yes, people back home, they get fascinated when they read my posts and stuff, because I'm such a different person. And so then you saw that reality, too, when we both came home in May of 2015. And um, he saw I was so different that he wanted to have what I had. And he actually gave his life to the Lord after about two weeks. And so we started going to church together. It was awesome. And it was like, it was like I was meeting my cousin again for the first time. And then I was having an internship at the time, and I was away from home. And it was two months after he got saved. And... Uh, heard one bad news from the next that then he's been rushed to the hospital people don't know why what's going on and um, he's complaining about having pain and thinking he's never going to get it he was born for this guys born for this the Lord was excited about this moment right here really was because uh, so yeah he was in the hospital and next thing we know being rushed to the ICU and we find out that then he's passed away and it went it was on a Sunday so he had just been to church that morning and I remember I I, I, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where it's, it's the news is so hard to believe you don't want to believe it or you, don't, you can't it's like how and yeah I just threw like a temper tantrum in my room I went crazy uh, and turns out that what he was complaining about earlier that day was he, was he had a burst iota, which happens apparently to one in every million people. And so he was rapidly losing blood to the point that he bled out. And um, I would have, <laughs> you would think that three years after the fact, it would be, it would be easier. But uh, the start of the year had more challenges than that I'm actually going in for my wisdom teeth to be removed tomorrow and so for 10 days I couldn't eat and just when my birthday came about it just yeah I was struggling guys and the main thing that I was struggling with was I had been saved at that point for about three four years and then he just got two months two months before he died and I couldn't help but think, and honestly, sometimes I still can't help but think that it would have been better if I died than he did. Because I got to experience things that he, he hasn't, he didn't. So that day, 
by birthday. So Danny's birthday is the day after mine, and on Tuesday and Wednesday, I had a hard time getting out of bed. Yeah, because it's just easier closing my eyes, so just forgive me for that. And, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever wrestled with suicidal thoughts, but it just felt safer to not leave my room. And um, it was a really hard day, but uh, Jesus is a firm foundation, and he's the author of life. And I in the midst of all that hard and difficultness, emotionally, mentally, I, I finished work. It was a great start. I was able to eventually get to work. And I had text messages from my family, and my phone was blowing up, and I'm like, I'm not in the mood to see messages. I don't want people to wish me happy birthday. So I actually had told people, don't wish me happy birthday, because I can't wish him happy birthday tomorrow, because he won't be here. And Taku, my brother, was sending me messages, and I'm like, bro, stop it. And eventually, I opened my phone, and oh, my sister was uh, supposed to have her first kid in February, but she ended up having him five weeks early. And she went into labor on my birthday. And don't want to make too much sense of it, but it's, it's just beautiful to think that while I was struggling and wrestling with death, the Lord was doing what he does best, and he was making life. And over there, it's him, my nephew, on the 23rd of January, 2018. Kunashe Kennedy Maswaude was born. And I love that his name is Kunashe, which is very simply yet powerfully, it's kind of like in your face. There is God. And oh man, I just, I cried a lot last month. I've still been crying a lot this month. It's felt like the Lord was like, die. There is God. And in your darkest hour or your most challenging storm, lean on me and I'll keep you upright. No matter how hard the storm is, friends, you can lean on him. And the Lord will keep you upright. rest of the band can start coming up. I want to close with this thought. I wrote this little quote down and I'll share this and then I'll share my last thought. I wrote down that the Lordship, just concluding all three points, that Jesus is the master of our masteries. Jesus is the commander of the commandments. And Jesus is the firm foundation and Lord of life. I think I've found in my life, and I'm still finding as I'm still learning, that 
when I submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus, like he said in verse 47, that everyone who comes to him, who comes to him and hears his words, comes to him means entering his presence. Hearing his words means abiding and asking, Daddy, what are you saying? Daddy, what are you doing? And he does that. I believe that uh, as challenging and as painful as this month has been and tomorrow's surgery most likely will be, that uh, the Lord's taught me something really, really cool. And I like to refer it as the difference between offerings of worship and sacrifices of praise. I think it's easy and it's fun when we're having a great week and then we come to a live and I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get to sing and to worship and to cry out, build my life or to sing reckless love because his love has been so good to me. And in those moments, we get to offer up offerings of praise. But I think it's moments when we're in the storm, moments when we're in difficulties and challenges, where the Lord gives us an opportunity to do something a little sweeter. We get to line up our hearts. We get to choose to sing or to speak truth that's contradictory to what we're experiencing. And in those places, we get to lift up sacrifices of praise to Him. And I love this one song that I don't know if Michael's going to sing or maybe he already did, but it's talking about how this is how we fight our battles. And we fight our battles with praise. And in this season, uh, I just want to invite you guys to stand. season that I found myself in, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to give the Lord sacrifices of praise. And there's this one song that I have absolutely been adoring and loving. And um, I did quite a lot of them, but one that comes to mind right now is a song by one of my favorite musicians, this guy called Jason Upton, he had this little girl who helped him write this song. And it's just called You Listen to Me. And in this song, the little girl, is just, she's actually having a meal with her dad. And uh, yeah, she talks about it. She's sitting at the table and they've just had like a 10-minute conversation with her. And they go off to do something. And they just hear in the background, Ariel is singing. And she's like swinging her, chair, her legs on the chair and she's going... Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. Because you listen to me. I feel loved when you listen to me. When you listen to me, I belong because you listen to me. And that song is just so, it's so childlike. But Jason Upton is just so gripping. He's gripped my heart that I think sometimes when in a hard place, it's awesome to sing, you're my strength and you're my hope. I think sometimes what our hearts just really want to know is that there is God, and yes, He's Lord, and I'm going to submit my life to Him, but He's also a friend, and He's a friend that listens to me. And yeah, I'm going to do that. I feel led. I'm just going to sing the song a little bit, just one verse of the song over you guys as I close out my message and turn it over to the band. 
that song is just called, You Listen to Me. I want to invite you guys, if you feel comfortable, to close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. And I, what I personally like to do when I sing this song is I hug myself. As I imagine I'm hugging the Lord. I belong where you belong. I belong where you belong. I belong where you belong. And you listen to me. Oh, you listen to me. You listen to me. Daddy, you listen to me. Oh, when I'm crying, you listen to me. Oh, you listen to me. You listen to me. Oh, now I know I belong. Listen to us, Daddy. And I love that I get to see many people come to know you and I get to do the stuff that you call up to do and pray for healing and pray for salvation, God. But nothing is sweeter than knowing that, at least I'm beginning to learn, Father, that nothing is sweeter and nothing, I want nothing else to compare to know that I have a Lord who moves mountains and who, <laughs> who breaks down and shakes down walls and who goes after me, comes running after me and I've fallen. But that same Lord is my friend. Sometimes you just take me by the hand and sit me down by your side and you listen to me. And you love to listen to me. And it's in that place, Lord, my fears and my doubts and my worries and my woes can get washed away because I know that I belong. And when the enemy tries to get at me or tries to get at us to make us doubt that we're loved, to make us doubt that we have a place or that our lives are worth living, that our dreams are worth having. We all can get a scoff. Whether in our classrooms, in our dorms, or even here at Alive, Lord, we can get a scoff and talk to you. And we're not just talking to a wall, but to a distant God, but to a Father who listens to us. I pray that tonight as you listen to us may we learn to be a people that listen to you and build our lives on a firm foundation that will lead us to life and everlasting in Jesus name Amen can we give it up for Mr. Mugabe
guys. We just, we're going to have a couple more songs. The worship band just going to go at it. But we want to be a family that is always willing to pray with you wherever you're at. So during these next couple of songs, if the Lord is speaking to you, if you want to be listened to, if you want to be heard, there's going to be leaders on all, both sides of the room. And I just encourage you, whether you know them or not, take a risk and let someone pray with you. So Father, come and have your way. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Lord, that we cannot be shaken. You've given us a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Lord. No matter what comes.
Spirit, break out. Heaven, come. And heaven, come down. Spirit, break out. Break. And break all walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven come down and spirit break out and break on walls down and spirit break out and heaven come down our father. Our Father, and all of heaven rose your name, sing louder, and let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear the sound of heaven touching her? The sound of heaven, our Father, and our Father. And all of heaven roars your name, sing louder. And let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear the sound of heaven touching earth? Yeah. The sound of heaven on the floor. And spirit break out. And break our walls down. And spirit break out. And heaven come down. Our Father. And our Father. And all of heaven rose your name. Sing loud. 
sing out your own song for the spirit to break.
Fill me up to overflow. 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 This is how we fight our battles. 
how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I say to you, I say to you, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. We sing to you, we sing to you. We sing to you and only you. We sing to you, sing to you and only you. This is why you've won our battles. As we sing to you, sing to you, sing to you.
love of the Father that's coming after you. And he's willing to leave 99 just for you. One. And yeah, maybe you don't deserve it. But in his eyes, you're 100% worth it. And I think we let him define what we deserve. Because if he says we're worth it, I think that means we do deserve it. Can you just sing that one more time, please? I just really feel that. Can you sing that one more time? No shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up. Come on. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Thank you, Lord. That, that's the kind of Lord that you are. You're not sitting high up in the heavens, watching and observing us live life. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go there. And that Lord, I just, I, every time I hear the song, I get this picture of the Father putting on these army boots and getting mud and wiping on his face and saying, all right, I'm coming, Gabriel. I'm going, Michael. You guys take care of the rest of the angels. I'm going after him. And Lord, I thank you. That's the kind of God that you are. That's the kind of Lord that you are. As you master our masteries, as you command the commandments and the words that you've spoken, that you lead us into life, Lord. <laughs> as you root us deep, deep into truth, deep into love, we find a life that nothing, no shadow, no lie, no war, can stop a life eternal and a life abundant so Jesus here we are as your people saying God please do that in our lives Lord give us a faith 
give us a love that can't be shaken that sees the way you see and that does what you're doing <laughs> and that's not stopping until we'll found the one that we're after until we're like the one that we're after so Lord I pray that as your people go as us your kids the ones that you delight and go from this place Lord I thank you that the song although Dale as awesome as that was has stopped singing you're not Lord we can go back to our dorms we can go back to our rooms and our apartments and we can still have you singing those words and communing with us telling us that we belong and that you're listening and that you're building us you're building us up to look more like you may that be the story that our lives tell Jesus that each day we look more like you and Holy Spirit it's just not right to not acknowledge you that all these things are just words if you don't release your grace upon them. So change us and magnify Jesus in our lives and in our midst. And I could go on and on and on, but I feel like the Lord's like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> we thank you. And as your people, we lift up holy hands and have your way in our lives. And in Jesus' name, all the lovers of God said, Amen. Awesome. I'm so tempted, but I'm not. I'm like, damn. No, I'm not. Well, guys, that's... Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming through, guys. Thank you so much for hearing me out. And can we just give one more round of applause for, for the worship team, for Daniel coming back through. Man, it was super anointed with you here, bro. For Micah, how awesome was Micah singing that song? And Kyle. And we can't forget the one and only Gabe. Love you, bro. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good night and God bless. <laughs>